everyone. Welcome to Ubaldi Report. On Saturday was the South Carolina primary, which Hillary Clinton scored a dramatic and huge win, winning by 50 points over Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders. Now, Bernie Sanders has been pecking at her heels since the beginning of this race. He um, tied her in um, Iowa stomped her in New Hampshire, but then he lost in Nevada and he really lost in South Carolina. And Clinton received a huge, huge win, mainly because African-Americans who make up one in six of the voters, I mean, most of the voters, almost 50% of all voters for the Democrats in South Carolina are African-Americans and they broke heavily for um, Hillary Clinton. They were around 80% to Bernie Sanders, around 25% or 20% around there. So it was, a, it was a great win for her. Now she moves on to Super Tuesday, as long as with Bernie Sanders. And it looks like polls show that she's going to have a clean sweep in 11 states. And it'll see how this goes and see how long Bernie Sanders can hang on. He does have money. He has a lot of support among the young millennials. Basically, anybody below 45 supports Bernie Sanders. Now, he can keep moving forward, but it's just going to depend how he does in the next um, couple deb- um, primaries. And after tomorrow, which is a March 1st, then on the 15th, excuse me, on the 8th is the next Super Tuesday. And it kind of looks like um, Bernie Sanders is probably going to lose big there. So it all depends. We'll see how this race goes. But one of the big problems that Hillary Clinton has going forward, and I think this has always been dogging her since the campaign started, is the email scandal. So basically, the one primary that she has is James Comey, the FBI director. They're continually investigating the email scandal, how she handled um, classified material. We all know she had a private server and a private email account. We all know that classified material were on that account, which almost goes up to about 1,300 emails had shown where classified material were on her personal email. Now, today, a um, report came out that her former chief of staff at the State Department, Cheryl Mills, was sending or had sent classified material to the Clinton Foundation and reports have it. This is all on the drone strike issue. So this is going to put new revelation on this. And I'm not sure when the FBI is going to conclude its investigation. But once it does, it will place the Justice Department and the White House in a precarious situation. Because if the Justice Department, I mean, excuse me, if the FBI sends to the Justice Department that um, crimes were committed and they're recommended a criminal referral, what does the Justice Department do? Do they um, go forward with the criminal referral, or do they say there wasn't enough evidence? My guess is that the FBI is going to have, if they're going to ask for a criminal referral, it's not going to be after just a couple um, charges. It's going to be an overwhelming charges on this. So we'll have to wait and see. Now, this will put the whole race in a different predicament. Because so far, Hillary Clinton is probably going to be the Democratic nominee, barring any collapse, health, or whatever. This email scandal puts it in a different light. What direction does the Democratic Party come if and when um, they find a criminal referral or any irregularities that puts damage on Hillary Clinton as she goes to the general election? And let's just say she has to drop out. 
Does the Democratic Party go to Bernie Sanders? Or do they seek an outside candidate such as Elizabeth Warren of the Massachusetts Center, uh, current Secretary of State John Kerry, and or Joseph Biden, the Vice President of the United States? If they chose or choose those three, what happens to the supporters of Bernie Sanders, the young millennials who are outraged over what's going on in the country, but they're really not thrilled with how the de- uh, the de- Democratic Party has favored Hillary Clinton and given her every break against their candidate. So that'll be something new, and we'll have to see where that goes. But as we move forward in this podcast, the one thing we're going to discuss now that looks like Hillary Clinton is going to be the, the Democratic nominee, again, like I said, barring any kind of collapse on her part or any revelation from the FBI investigation, we have to look at some of the policy decisions or some of the statements that Hillary Clinton did. And let's challenge her. I would do the same thing with the Republicans if and when it looks like, let's say, Donald Trump or anybody else becomes the Republican nominee. I would do the same thing to them. But right now we're going to focus on one of the biggest issues most Americans, and especially in the Democratic Party, are interested in, and that is the economy. How does candidate Clinton going to solve some of these problems. Now, because Bernie Sanders was huge on income inequality, that was his signature issue. He talked about it from day one. Hillary Clinton has co-opted some of the statements that Bernie Sanders, and she's also talking about income inequality. So the question is, that has to be asked, and she's been running linked to the Obama legacy when it comes to the economy. So if she's been complaining that the middle class are getting squeezed, income equality is great, how does she reconcile that with the Obama economy? Since President Obama and the Democrats have been running the economy since 2009. This has never been asked in the debates. If she's the president, what would she do different from President Obama? How would she jumpstart the listless economy? Now, She's talking about raising taxes on the wealthy, have the wealthy pay their fair share. She's talking about you know ending corporate greed, talking about reform and welfare. And the one thing that Bernie Sanders pinned her on, how would she reform Wall Street when she received millions of dollars from Wall Street, especially when she had speaking fees to the tune of $600,000 from some of the big financial institutions in um, on Wall Street. So how would she... Reform it. What is her policies to reform Wall Street? That hasn't been really um, asked yet. And one of the biggest thing is the. Uh, and I went to her website, and she talks about helping small businesses. But when it comes to reforming Wall Street, one of the the, the hits that small businesses are facing is Dodd Frank. Dodd Frank was a financial regulatory reform that was passed in the wake of the financial collapse of two thousand eight, two thousand nine. And it passed in, I believe, June or July. I think it was June of 2010. It was a solidly partisan um, passage. Not one Republican voted for it. Now, some of the complaints is Dodd-Frank was supposed to go after the big, large banks that contributed to the financial collapse. But the real uh, problem with Dodd-Frank, it really punished the small regional banks who were not at fault for what happened. And if you talk up to some of the small bankers, they've had to comply with compliance with Dodd-Frank, meaning they had to have so much assets 
and a lot of these small regional banks merged with each other because they couldn't afford to keep they couldn't afford to keep up with the compliance because you had to have a billion dollars in assets. Now one has to remember if she's talking about helping small business, a lot of small businesses get their loans and their capital from those small regional banks. So that's not the case right now. A lot of small business, and I am a small business owner, it's very difficult to get the capital you need to expand your business. So that's what needs to be addressed. How is she going to improve, like she said, on Dodd-Frank? The other issue that has come up repeatedly on their campaign trail is Obamacare. She blames Bernie Sanders that he wants to start all over. So she said, we're going to improve on Obamacare. Now, Obamacare is also, or the Affordable Care Act, has hit small businesses hard, especially over the, those who have over 50 employees. And that's why you're seeing a lot of employees merge their full-time workers down to part-time. So the question that needs to be asked, what would you do differently and how would you change Obamacare? Now, when you, you do that, how are you going to change it? The next question should be asked, how are you going to get that through Congress? Because whoever gets elected, whether the Republicans keep the Senate or not, it's immaterial. Let's just say they lose the Senate, but they're going to keep the House. Still, how is she going to get that through the House representative? But let's say the Republicans keep the Senate and they keep the House. How is she going to get that through a um, the Congress that's controlled by the other party? And that's the same thing with the Republicans who want to repeal and replace it. How are they going to get their their that legislation through because neither party is going to enjoy the luxury that Barack Obama enjoyed when he became president in 2009. He had a supermajority in the House and a veto-proof majority in the Senate. That's how he was able to get the stimulus passed, health care passed, and Dodd-Frank passed, all passed without one Republican vote. So the question becomes, how are they going to get this thing done? Now, on her website, she does mention tax reform. But how is she going to implement tax reform? How are we going to do it? What is, the, what is her comprehensive plan to tax reform beyond making the wealthy pay their fair share? Now, both parties need to, once they get elected, they have to take campaign rhetoric and turn that into actual legislation. So how are they going to do that? What percentage are you going to make the wealthy pay more? How are you going to reform the, um, the corporate tax rate because we have the highest in the, um, in the industrialized world? So these are a lot of issues that have to be addressed. Now, the other one that has never been addressed by either party is the national debt. How is she going to reduce the national debt? Now, the biggest driver of the national debt is entitlements. That's Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, interest on the debt. That's eating up around 60% of the federal budget. As the years go on, even the Congressional Budget Office has reported that in the next subsequent years, the debt is going to go up. So how are you going to drive down the national debt at the same time? How are you going to address Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid to reduce that um, rise in the federal debt? So these are some of the issues that haven't been addressed, haven't been discussed. And again, going back, how is she going to differentiate herself from Barack Obama in the economy? She's linked to the hip with him. She keeps saying, I'm going to do everything. I'm going to do everything that Barack Obama has done. Okay, what would you do differently than he than he hasn't done? Would you go further than he has? Would you do something different? What would be different in your handling of the economy? So these are the issues that have to be addressed. And the other part, before we finish on the economy, is student loan debt. 
She talks about, you know, reining in student loan debt, but they haven't discussed the, the crux of the problem. Why does student college, I mean, why, excuse me, why does college cost so much? Now, the, Bernie Sanders keeps make, making the reference that Europe has free college, which they do. But the difference is, and this was written in a book from the Council on Foreign Relations, that the one thing Europe does differently that we don't do here is they sp- that we spend an awful lot of money on facilities, we spend a lot, awful lot of money on extracurriculars and all the little tangible things that Europe doesn't spend on that we do here that rise, that make uh, college costs skyrocket. And the one thing they hadn't talked about is the administrative costs at some of these universities are outrageous. Now, how does this square with Secretary Clinton making millions of dollars in speaking fees? Even Chelsea made $60,000 at a university for a 10-minute speech. So how does that reconcile with reducing student loan debt? These are the questions that need to be asked. Now, finally, we're going to go into foreign foreign policy because that's one of the top issues for some, maybe not all, but that's one thing the president's going to have to deal with. How would she be different than President Obama? Now, remember, she was Secretary of State for four years. So she was part of all the issues with Russia, China, the Middle East, I mean, ISIS wasn't quite there yet, but she was part of the problem with um, what to do with Syria when the Arabic Spring happened. How would she be different than Barack Obama? Now, in her campaigns, she did say we have to defeat ISIS. We need to do something. We got to get our Arab allies on board. But at the same time, she was a big proponent of the Iran nuclear agreement, which allowed Iran to suspend its nuclear production if we get rid of the sanctions, which we did. Now, the region, their Saudi Arab allies and the Sunni Arab allies in Iraq that we need, they see Iran as the primary threat, not ISIS. Now, ISIS is a threat to them, but their primary threat is Iran because they see Iran heavily involved in the Shiite-dominated government in Baghdad. They see Iran in Syria, which is a conduit for them to supply Hezbollah, the terror, Shiite terror group in Lebanon, and Hamas down in the, the Gaza Strip and West Bank area. They see Iran in Yemen. They see that the United States was humiliated when they captured two of our uh, naval patrol boats and they blasted the pictures and videos of us sur- sailors surrendering. So they see her as another extension of Barack Obama and especially how she handled um, the situation with Egypt and forcing out Hussein, um, Hussein Mubarak, the former um, Egyptian prime, uh, president. So they see her as another extension of Barack Obama. How would she transform that? And what, was, what would her policy be different than his as it relates to Russia since she was part of that Russian reset that didn't go well? And then you have Libya, which she was instrumental in persuading the president to take part in and removing um, Muammar Gaddafi, but yet the, uh, Libya is a mess right now. So what would be her difference as it comes to this? And then what relationship would she have with the military? Where does she see the military going? Because every president has had, especially this would be the third president, has had to deal with military operations in the Middle East. I would even say even include Bill Clinton, almost all the way back to basically, I would say you have to go all the way back to um, 
Wow, you would have, I don't even think about that. You would have to go back decades from the last president that did not have to conduct military operations of some sort in the Middle East. So what would she be, how would she do things differently? What would she do differently? These are some of the questions the press is not asking any of the candidates. And the Democratic debate seems to focus more on the domestic side where the Republicans are always focused more on the foreign policy side. But how would she do something different with trade? What was her, first she was supportive of the Trans-Pacific Partnership Trade Agreement that President Obama supported. Then she came out against it. Will she be for it or against it? We don't know. So all these issues are need to be asked. How would again she differentiate? How in the world? Oh, it's gonna stumble a little bit. How would she change, or what would she do differently than President Obama, or would she be another extension of President Obama? So there's a lot of questions that need to be asked that just haven't been asked. Because now that she's the nominee, now's the time for the press to ask these questions. And again, all this is predicated on what happens with this FBI email investigation that's looking at two things, how she handled classified material, and two, and the second aspect is, what relationship did the Clinton Foundation have while she was Secretary of State? They want to know what kind of insider uh, knowledge did she have or were they given undue influence because a lot of money was coming from corporate corporation and countries that dealt with the State Department that went to the Clinton Foundation. So there's a lot of issues that have to be discussed. And it's time the media start looking at this stuff, start looking at the background, start looking at her policies and start asking her the questions and really challenging them. And the one thing is, and again, this is not an attack on Hillary Clinton. Now that she's the, looks like going to be the presumed nominee, I think she needs to be on all networks because so far Hillary Clinton has not been on Fox News. Bernie Sanders was on Fox News two weeks ago. So they got a chance to ask him his opinion, his inputs, and see how he would govern as president. I think it's high time that um, Hillary Clinton go on Fox, be interviewed by the Fox reporters. I think the Democratic Party needs to hold de- debates sponsored by the, um, Fox, the Fox Business Channel or Fox News, just like the Republicans were on ABC, CBS, CNBC, and they twice were on CNN. So if you're going to be president, you can't pick and choose what news organization covers you. That's not your opportunity. So, well, that's not your right. You need to be challenged. And I would say, would say the same with Republicans. You need to be challenged on your policy um, pronouncements or what you would do as president because we need to solve the nation's problems. I mean, the biggest concern for most people is the economy, the economy, the economy. And parents are seeing their children are going to have but far worse than they did. So we can't go another four years to find out, oops, we should have asked this. Just like Bob Schieffer said when he retired, we didn't challenge President Obama on his assertions. We just kind of let him go. So we can't go another four years where the economy or we find out what they would do with the economy. It's not what we thought they would do. So. It's time that we really challenge these candidates and be better informed of what's going on. And the media needs to really do their job. 
But as we continue, we're going to continue doing these segments. I'll do it again. I'll handicapped after Super Tuesdays for tomorrow. And we'll see it. We'll keep doing this all the way up through the election. Go to iTunes and go to Stitcher. Let me know what you think about these podcasts. What do you want to hear? What do you want me to analyze? What do you want me to research or look into? And let's challenge let's challenge these candidates. This is going to be our government, so we need to know what's going on. If you get the chance, go to the um, go to Amazon or any of the major bookstores. I have a book out called The New Business Brigade, Why Businesses Need to Hire Veterans and the Untapped Resource They Represent. And let your f- friends and family know. Go to Ubaldi Report. Check out my website. Again, you can leave comments there. But let me know what you think, and we'll keep uh, keep on listening. And it's our goal is to challenge Washington, challenge the political parties. And the one thing that I will not do on this program or on Ubaldi Report, I will not endorse any of the political candidates running for office. I think once you do, you taint yourself as being one side or the other. I'm not going to do that. I want to challenge both sides because I want this country to to, um, to to get to that point where the economy is improving and it's a great country, but we need to get it back to where everybody's improving. So if you get a chance, keep listening to Ubaldi Reports and let your friends know. So li- listen next time to Ubaldi Reports. <laughs>